Grace Church, Medina East Campus. My name is Clark Jeanette, and uh, I help lead our young adults ministry here at Grace Church called New Perspective. Uh, it's really an honor and a privilege to be here with you guys today. If I've never met you before, I'd love to uh, connect with you out in our cafe after service here today. But uh, let me just say it's really an honor to, to be able to serve in this way today. Uh, today we're actually starting a brand new sermon series, four-week sermon series called Spaces. And for those of you that are not familiar with the way we kind of run things on the weekend, Typically what we do is we choose a topic, talk about it for about three or four weeks or until we run out of stuff to say about it, and we usually move on to something else. And so we thought it would be uh, extremely um, helpful to talk about the church, kind of what the church is. What does that mean when you say, well, I go to Grace Church at 2325 Medina Road? There's a lot of debate about the church. Uh, To be honest, there's a lot of ambiguity and confusion as it relates to what the church is. And so some people might say, Well, the church, that's easy. The the church is a building. It's a place with a location, with an address. And then another might say, well, no, no, no. The church is really uh, not not a location because Jesus says in in Matthew 18, where two or three to gather in my name, there I am with them. So some might say, well, when, when I go to the woods with my Bible, there I meet God. Another person might say, well, when I go to the coffee shop with my Bible, there, there's God there too. So that the bottom line is, when you ask that question to somebody, what is church? You're going to get a lot of different answers to that question. So throughout this, uh, this series, kind of the big idea, the overarching uh, statement premise that we want to kind of unpack today and during the next ensuing weeks to come is simply this. The church is not defined by a space, but instead the church defines every space. The church is not defined by a space, but instead the church defines every space. And so for me, growing up as a kid, I viewed the church as a space. I had my church space, I had my school space, I had my sports space, and before Facebook was the cutting edge, I had a MySpace. Sorry, I had to throw that in there, I just couldn't resist. But you guys, you guys get the picture. In a, here in our staff, we kind of like to joke around a little bit, and we say that when we were kids, we had a drug problem. Our parents drug us to church. And so for me, I know it was the same thing. Because I viewed the church as a space, I was under the false assumption that when I left that space, I was no longer technically at church. And so I viewed the church as nothing more than a building with a narthex hall, with tables, with coffee, donuts, really weird pictures of animals and an ark on the wall. And I was just like, honestly, I don't really think I could probably live without all this. And so at 14 years old, I end up leaving that space And I was under the false assumption that the church was a space. And so tragically, what happened with me is I went down a really dark path in my life. And I ended up coming back to the church at 22 years old, ironically, actually having a drug problem. But Christ met me right where I was. And to my advantage, I learned what the church truly was. That the church was not an organization, but that the church is an organism It's a body with many members. If you take that word church and you shove it back into the original language, you get a word called ekklesia. Ekklesia, it's kind of fun to say. You should try it sometime. But that word ekklesia never ever referred to a specific space. Ekklesia always referred to a specific people. Ekklesia literally is the called out ones, the people of God. Ecclesia refers to soldiers being called out for a specific purpose. And so you might be thinking, well, I don't understand why we're getting so caught up on definitions here. 
But guys, one of the things that we believe at Grace is that what a church does grows directly out of what a church is. And so if we simply just forfeit the right definition of what a church is, we not only forfeit the definition of the church, we forfeit its mission, its cause, its purpose. There's a lot at stake, to be honest. So throughout today and the ensuing weeks to come, we want to unpack four familiar spaces, four familiar spaces that the church renews. And here they are. We have the large space, the group space, the personal space, and the private space. And today I want to kick off this series by starting a conversation with you guys about the large space. The large space, which is really what we're doing right now. We're meeting together at 2325 Medina Road, Granger Township, in case you didn't know. And so this is a really an amazing, it's an amazing thing. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. In order to kick off this conversation, um, I want to go to, um, well, before we begin, let me just encourage you not to, not to tune out on me during the next 30 minutes of our time. Because again, I really think that there's a lot at, a lot at stake. There's a lot we could, we could forfeit here. Because um, as Afra mentioned, if it, if it wasn't for me, you know, truly coming to know what the church is, guys, I don't know where I'd be, honestly. That dark path that, that I was going down, had God not come into my life and had I not truly come to realize what the church is, I don't know where I'd be. And so the, when Jesus says in Matthew 16, 18, first time he ever references the church, he says, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the fact that God puts a church in the world to reach the world is not merely a possibility, but it is in fact a profound, inevitable reality. And so I just encourage you not to tune out on me. God put a church in the world to reach the world. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And... Um, we're going to go to Acts chapter 2. This is kind of when the church started. So if uh, you want to use those Bibles in our chairs, it's on page 759. We're going to break in at verse 36. If you don't have a Bible, please take one of ours. You can go ahead and write your name in that. We'll make that a gift from us to you. That's just our way of saying thanks for being here. And if you're like a smartphone, um, iPad, tablet user, you can download the app called Version. That's Y-O-U version, and you can get to Acts chapter 2 that way as well. And as you're going there, uh, however you get there, Acts chapter 2, let me just kind of give you the context of what's happening here, just so that we have our heads in the right game. One thing I want you to notice about this passage we're about to look at is that it is a large space. There's going to be over 3,000 people at this large space. And this is, this is fascinating. It, um, I, I assume, I guess as you might be vaguely familiar with Peter, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus in the Gospels, he actually denies Jesus three times. But in Acts chapter 2, we get a totally different picture of this dude. I mean, this guy is a stud muffin in Acts chapter 2. He gives us a sermon that is absolutely just breath. It's amazing what he does and to see the transformation that God does in this guy's life. And what we see is, is Peter does three things. He addresses a Jewish audience. He stands up and he speaks up and he spells it out. He spells out the Gospel. And his Jewish crowd, he quotes from the Old Testament. He quotes the book of Joel, chapter 2, which was a prophecy. And his Jewish audience, they would have been familiar with this passage. And Peter would have said, you guys, do you remember this long list of indicative statements that God said? He said, people will dream dreams. People will have visions. And everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. He'd be like, do you guys remember that? He'd be like, oh yeah, we remember that. He'd be like, well, that's happening right now. And they would have been like, no way. He would have been like, yes way. 
And so we get to see their reactions in verse 36, and it's, it's just so fascinating. So what we're going to do is we're going to break in at verse 36, Acts chapter 2, and what we're going to do is we're going to read to the very end of chapter 2, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to unpack three experiences of a large space. So break in with me at verse 36, Acts chapter 2. Here we go. Therefore, and when you see a therefore, what have we learned from Pastor Tony? You've got to ask, what's it there for? Well, it's therefore because of, in light of what we just talked about, the prophecy where Peter says, you guys seized Jesus Christ, you slayed Jesus Christ, but God freed Jesus Christ, and then God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And now we get to see the reaction, verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, The other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and all your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, I want you to notice from verse 42 all the way to the end is just a long list of active verbs. And it just validates that they not only received the message of the gospel, but they did stuff with it. And so verse 42 to the end, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Guys, it's a lot of text that we just covered. So what we're going to do is we're going to go back and we're going to unpack three experiences of the large space. Three experiences of the large space. And let me just kind of give all three of them to you real quick here. Experience number one is awakening. Experience number two is assurance, and experience number three is advancement. So we're going to unpack all three of these. Starting with experience number one, the first experience of the large space, think weekend services, think 2325 Medina Road Granger. Notice what the text says in verses 37. It says, when the Holy Spirit heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? I want you to notice those words, cut to the heart. Notice those words, cut to the heart. If you take that phrase and you shove it back into the original language, you get a phrase that um, one of the ancient Greek authors, you might be familiar, Homer, the same Homer that wrote Homer's Iliad, the same Homer that wrote the Odyssey, he uses that uncommon Greek word to depict horses stomping their hooves on the earth. And so Luke uses the same uncommon Greek word in his text to describe what is happening inside of the hearts of Peter's Jewish crowd. And it's like the Holy Spirit is stomping on their hearts because they're convicted because they not only rejected the Messiah, the Son of God, but they crucified and murdered him. And so guys, I know for myself, there's times where I'll be sitting in this audience and I'll hear Pastor Tony or Pastor Seth 
they open up the word of God. And guys, when the Bible opens, God's mouth opens. And I'm sitting in the seat and I'm hearing them read the text. And it just feels like the spirit of God is just stomping on my heart. What is that? It's a spiritual awakening. It's a spiritual awakening that occurs. And it's fascinating because what happens is that Sunday, that message, that passion in our hearts is like a white hot fire. And then, and then from Sunday on to Monday, that white hot fire turns into these hot coals. And then, and then Tuesday, those hot coals then become smoke. And by Wednesday, that message has completely dissipated. And it's like we completely forgot the message. It's like we never even heard it. My point is, God wants us to be regularly awakened. And that is very conducive in a large space. When we meet up together like this, a spiritual awakening occurs. Guys, I know, I know for me as a, another personal example, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I helped lead our young adult ministry called New Perspective. And we just went on this uh, spring retreat to Round Lake Christian Camp in Lakeville, Ohio. We heard a really amazing teaching for three days straight, amazing uh, music, and we hung out. And I was ready to make like big changes in my life. And uh, what happened was I went home, I unpacked my suitcase, and as soon as I sat down and turned the television on, it's like I retreated into what I like to call a spiritual amnesia, and it's like I forget every single thing that I learned, and you just become enamored and entangled and ensnared by the world, and it's like you walk into this spiritual fog and you're just disoriented. It's like we totally forget the message. Again, God, God wants us to be regularly awakened. And so in light of all that, here's the question for experience number one of the large space. Here's the question. Do you find yourself in a spiritual fog or feeling disoriented Monday through Saturday? Do you find yourself in a spiritual fog and feeling disoriented Monday through Saturday? If if that's you, if you're anything like me, then we got to engage in a large space. A large space that is conducive to a spiritual awakening. So experience number one, awakening Experience number two, the second experience of the large space is assurance. Assurance of what? Assurance that we're not alone. Notice what the text says in verses 41. It says, those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000, you guys, 3,000. Is that a lot of people or is that a few people? That's a lot of people. My goodness, that is a plethora of people. And guys, my guess is that they weren't reluctant to get baptized because they had assurance that they were of one heart and one mind and that they could rally around a common cause and they could just feel that insurance and that energy and that confidence that what they were doing was right. And so I don't know if you guys have been watching the Cleveland Cavaliers games, but that is an excellent example of what it looks like to rally around a common cause. I mean, it's amazing to see that many people. Let's just be honest. I was talking to somebody the other day. There are certain things that you will do in a crowd of people that you will never do by yourself. I mean, just just imagine the guys with their shirts off and their chests and bellies painted number 23. Imagine a guy in his living room, like, yelling and screaming at his TV doing that. I mean, that's weird, right? That's awkward. Put that same guy in a crowd of 3,000 people. That's perfectly normal. So my point is, if we're that excited about, about a basketball game, how much more should we be jacked up about 
rallying around a common cause of the gospel as the body of Christ. And so here's, here's the question for experience number two, assurance. Here's the question. Do you find that being a part of something bigger than yourself provides you with confidence and energy? Do you find that being a part of something bigger than yourself provides you with not only confidence, but energy? And it gives you that assurance that you're not alone. It's important to know that you're not alone and that kind of stuff. And the third and the final experience of the large space is advancement. It's advancement. Advancement of what? Well, advancement of the gospel. Notice what the text says in verses 46 and 47. It says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Catch this, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want you to notice that word together, that word together, they met together in the temple courts. That word is an expression of the unity of purpose, this idea again of one heart, one mind. Again, think Cleveland Cavaliers game, rallying around a common cause. This is what they did, but notice it started in the temple courts and it advanced into their homes. Because this is what happens. We talked about this in the series, This is Grace. This idea of self-forgetfulness, what happens is the gospel, it completely shatters insecurity and pride. No longer do we live under the tyranny of an inferiority complex, I'm not good enough, or a superiority complex, I'm so righteous. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 says that no one is righteous, not even one. And so since they experience this liberating feeling of self-forgetfulness that everybody isn't on an equal playing field, this is a joy that could not be contained within the context of four walls. And so it overflowed into other spaces, right? And it went from the temple courts to their homes. This joy could not be contained. And they realized that the church was not defined by a space, but instead the church defines every space. And that they became a part of this team, Ecclesia. See, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, that ye will be my witnesses. But he didn't stop there. He said, you'll be my witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I'll be with you. And so the early church, they recognized that. And guys, we are called to that same calling as the Ecclesia. To be movers and to ignite a movement with the gospel as the people of God, as the ecclesia, the called out ones. And so here's the question for experience number three. If there's one thing I want you to remember from this entire conversation today, this is it. Are we trying to ignite a gospel-centered meeting or a gospel-centered movement? Are we trying to ignite a gospel-centered meeting or a gospel-centered movement? Guys, I don't know about you guys, but I love this idea of awakening and assurance. But guys, here's the missing component. When I realize that there's other people outside of these four walls of 2325 Medina Road that have never experienced awakening or assurance, guys, that just, that just grips my heart, honestly. That should just bring tears to our eyes. And honestly, I mean, without, without advancement, that is like the missing component. We can't simply be meters, but we have to be movers. 
We can't simply be passive spectators sitting on the sideline, but we have to be active participants in the body of Christ. And, and I'll be the first one to admit that, that I always leave here with that message, and, and sadly, sometimes it just dissipates, and I don't do anything with it. Guys, imagine a quarterback. Is there any football fans in here? All right, guys, imagine a quarterback calling a huddle, and this quarterback calls a huddle, and he assigns the play. He opens the playbook, and he says, the halfback's going to go here, the, the uh, tight end's going to go here, the wide receiver's going to run this button hook, everybody know what you're doing, and, and let's just imagine that the quarterback says break, and guys, just imagine if what they did is the whole team went over, and they sat down on the bench, and they just began to drink water. And then, and then they rally back together, and the quarterback calls the huddle, and then he opens the playbook, and the same thing happens again, and then he calls break, and they go back, and they sit back on the bench, and they all start drinking water. Guys, doesn't that sound lame? It's kind of confusing and bizarre, if you ask me. Guys, this is the picture of the American church. Is this is what happens. The pastor calls huddle, he opens the playbook, he calls the play, and then we go out and, and then we don't perform the play. And we come back the next week. And the pastor opens the playbook and he calls the play. And guys, all I'm saying is that we can't simply be meters. We have to be movers. We're not just, we, it's not enough to ignite a gospel-centered meeting. We have to ignite a gospel-centered movement. Jesus' little brother, James, put it this way. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and then after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Sounds very similar to the quarterback analogy, if you ask me. Guys, bottom line we just we can't ignite a meeting. We got to ignite the movement. It's what the early church was called to. It's what we are called to as the team ecclesia to be team players and to be performing the plays that Jesus Christ calls us to play. At this point in time, I just want to invite the band to come up, and as they do, I just want I just want you to imagine with me, if you would, just imagine what this would look like if it became a reality in our lives if we were to not simply ignite a gospel-centered meeting, but we ignited a gospel-centered movement. Because the reality is, guys, again, it's not enough to experience awakening and assurance here. But, but when we miss that component of advancement and including others in, the broken people that Jesus said that he would seek and save that which was lost and free people from, from their chains, I just want to encourage you, if you're somebody who is investigating Jesus today, or perhaps for you, if you're anything like me, you, you, were, dra- you were dragged here by somebody, you know, um, I can identify with that. For those that Jesus may not even be on your radar, I just want to encourage you to come back and lock in with us during the ensuing weeks to come as we continue to investigate this idea that the church is not defined by a space, but instead the church defines every space. And for those of us that would claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, a committed follower, my encouragement to you is to start praying about somebody in your life who has never experienced awakening or assurance and see how you can advance the gospel to them.
So I love you guys. I encourage you to come back and check out the rest of this series. Let's pray. Father God, I just, uh, Lord, I just thank you so much for everything that you uh, have done through the early church, God. Um, thank you for setting the example through the early church in Jerusalem. God, that they realized that the church was not simply a space, but that the church defined every space, God. That everywhere that they went, the church was that they were movers, that their love, that they were captivated and enthralled by Jesus and his love, his sacrifice, his commitment to be obedient to the Father, that it became so pervasive in their lives that it permeated to all spaces. God, I pray that same thing for us here at Medina and through our community, God. God, I pray for the people that are investigating you. God, the same people that that fell into that false assumption that I fell into, God, that the church is just a space with a narthex hall, weird pictures of animals. God, that's not the church. The church is not just a commodity. It's not just useful. It's beautiful. God, you died for that. And if we forfeit that definition, not only the definition, but also its cause and its mission. God, we squander the very thing that Jesus Christ died to give us. So God, I just, I just pray for the people here today. I pray for anybody that's here for the first time. Lord, we, we love you, Father, and uh, I just pray this in Christ's name.